Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 55. We have our special guest with us this week, the very personable Mr. Tim Sway. Welcome, Tim. Okay, listen, Tom. Yeah. This is you you're going to you're going to delete those photos now and stop forcing me to do things after this one, right? Yes. Yes, you do this episode and we're good, man. All copies of the photo were gone. Okay. All copies. Okay. Hey guys, good to be here. Nice to see you all. <laughs> welcome, Tim. Welcome. I'm so yeah. I'm so honored to be on your podcast this week. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's good that's, good to have you here. We hope <clears throat> for your sake it works out. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> so, Tim, uh, what is your dominant skill set? Uh, you told me to say guitar making. <laughs> Perfect. Well, technically, that's what Tom told you to say. But yeah, we're, we're going to run with that yeah. for now. Let's, okay. let's just go with that. Okay, so guitar making, very specialized. What skill class is guitar making? Well, on a scale of C to C, I would call it a B sharp. That checks out. Is that like killer B? Uh, uh, well, it's... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to piss it off. Okay, yeah, that that sounds about right. I, that, I wouldn't want that either. I don't know much about those scales, so I'm going to just go with that. All right, so it's time for history and fun facts. Uh, this is where we talk about stuff that we've researched on the topic. Tim, did you do any research? Do you have any fun facts to share about guitar making? Uh, fun facts to share about guitar making. I, I think I missed that part of the discussion, but what I could tell you about, and this may or may not have some relevance later on in the in the podcast, is um, so there's always a lot of discussion around tone wood in guitar making. There's there's basically two schools of thought um, in guitar making. Is that one is is that the the wood is like the like very very important part of the overall tone of the instrument, um, which is more true in acoustic instruments than necessarily electric instruments. When you start talking about electrifying instruments with magnetic pickups and stuff, the 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 type of wood that exists there tends to be. Uh, in, in my opinion, and I'm, I'm of the camp that thinks that it's probably not all that important at that point, whereas things like the, your strings and your electronics, your whole signal chain is much, much more important, and the wood would be kind of at the bottom of the list. And so that's um, one of the reasons that I make my instruments from reclaimed material. It kind of it kind of flies in the face of that of that sort of tone wood notion. And I'm you know my my concern being is that. And, you know, guitar making and instrument making, this, the, the, the fetishization of tone wood means that people are going uh, all over the world to, to seek out these, these trees and these woods that take a really long time to grow and they get cut down just as fast as any other tree. You know what I mean? And there's a whole footprint around that of, um, you know, from like slave labor to banana republics and the, the shipping industries and the, you know, the child labor. All this stuff is like this horrible footprint that's attached to most of the guitars that are out there being played by musicians today who are singing about saving the world. Right. Mm-hmm. When there's all this, there's all these great trees that are growing in our neighborhood. There's all this great wood that's getting thrown away right here. Uh, that's that's my little bit. And this is like, if there's a bunch of musicians here, you can watch the comments. They'll just you, you say tone wood, and you just get boom. You just get like um, it's it's a very very red blue kind of a discussion in the guitar world. Uh, and I am definitely on camp tone wood. Yeah, not so much. Okay, so the, the I think the important question here, Tim, is if if you were to get some some really solid tone wood would that actually help with tone deafness <laughs> that's 
That's a good question. We asked the hard-hitting questions here, Tim. Wow, wow. And my favorite color is blue. <laughs> Mine too. That's, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm afraid I don't have an answer for that, sir, because as I explained, I'm in the camp that says Tomewood is a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> so, Tim, uh, this your your position on that is very similar to how much someone spends on a guitar to play a gig for for you know the $32 you get from the door. <laughs> I remember <laughs> yeah. is that an accurate description. So I remember you saying you you met a guy at at a at a whatever, at a bar, at a club, at a gig that had like a very expensive guitar and you kind of said to him, I just played my my set on a ski. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're getting paid the yeah. same. Yeah. Yeah, there's I mean, yeah, the same but the same can be said for like the in the maker world that you know y'all are more familiar with maybe is that that whole like well, if I had that tool, I could and we all know at the end of the day that yeah. right, that you know everything that I mean, I have very expensive tools, right? All the stuff that all my expensive tools do can be done with a hammer and a chisel, you know, and a right. handsaw maybe. You know what I mean? But the difference is that it's not as fast and it's not sure there's all those things, but but it's I do feel like there's a little bit of that in the music world is that we you know, it's like, oh, well, I have to have this and I have to have that to sound good. And at the end of the day, you know what? The people listening to you are drunk. Uh, it's loud and noisy. Someone's yelling in their ear. Mm-hmm. Some guy's hitting on her. This, You know, this whole it's like, no, they don't they don't hear the elf tears that went into the finish on your your guitar. Right. Like they just don't. You know, that's all for you. <laughs> and you're and you're you're fooling yourself if you think it's not. Now, that being said, maybe it's because I'm a hack. Right. I mean, I always think about like a, like Derek Jeter's baseball bat. You know, he'll, he'll sit and he'll swing six bats until he finds the one that's good and then he hits the ball out of the park and to me all six of those bats feel the same right and and i'm gonna hit the ball just as mm-hmm. well the guys that spend a million dollars on golf clubs to improve their swing right tiger woods is still gonna kick their butt with a stick you know like it's just sort right. of that fetishization of, of materials and so that's what like a lot of what my work is about with the, the reclaimed aspect and i started by being very silly about it like making putting strings on skis and literally playing like gigs, like dozens and um, hundreds of shows on one of them. Uh, and then I started really enjoying doing it and wanted to kind of get better and make something that was more like a typical traditional guitar, but with that same ethos and that same sort of mission. So I'm still using, you know, maybe I'm actually buying hardware now instead of just scavenging broken parts and, and, you know, and, and upping my game a little bit, but it's still that same idea. Like, no, we don't have to deforest Africa to play, play the funky music right. white boy. You just don't have to. You know, you're going to be okay. Right. It's going to be okay. The maple tree in my yard sounds just as good. <laughs> Sidebar, Tom, Tanda. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. Did yep. Tim just say he was fondling Derek Jeter's baseball bats to find out if That's they were... That's what I heard. Yeah, I, I, the restraining order now makes a lot more sense. I didn't know the whole story. All right, I, yeah, no, that's what, that's what I heard. <sighs> he, uh, yeah, he, he gave him a good swing or two, all of them. Um, I, I, but uh, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be handling another man's bats. It's uh, or, or shouldn't be handling another man's wood. I, that's I think that's what it boils down to. Anyway, let's. I think he said Tiger Woods could do the same thing with a stick. Oh, was it Tiger Woods doing it? Not Tim. I, I, I he was he was talking so fast. I don't think I heard everything properly. Yeah, yeah. Right after you talked about skiing at the at the show when he, when he was skiing well i do know he puts on yeah. a good right. show yeah i have heard that yeah right okay oh 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 it looks like he's done restringing his guitar so tim that was guys what happened my my feed just cut out for a minute i, I don't know it, it, am i back on can you hear me it, it's very glitchy that's normal it happens no i think i think we got everything okay, okay yeah, that was yeah. weird recording local right so yeah we're good okay okay yeah this this uh it's very I'm glitchy fixing the post records fixing the yeah fine. Uh, that, uh, that's why it takes me forever I, I agree with with everything you said. 
but the person I don't agree with is Tom. Did you do any research yeah. on guitar making? I did lots of research. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, sure. So I wanted to go back uh, to the beginning of guitar making. So I went back to the Roman period and I did a lot of research uh, in that area. What? That's good. Uh, okay. And uh, what did you find? Yeah. Oh, oh um, well, well, nothing. Uh, guitars weren't invented till like the 1500s, so I didn't, I didn't find anything. <laughs> but, it, but it's important that you did the research. I mean, there's some effort points, I think, right? I mean, you tried to find them. I did. Well, I can say conclusively that there were no guitars in in the Roman times. That's actually not true. But go ahead, Tom. <laughs> there, well, there were um, there were like stringed instruments for sure. Lutes, lyres. Le- yeah, lutes are not guitars, though. I. Uh, I googled that yeah. very quickly after I found lutes in the Roman there's times. A, there's a, but I was doing guitar research. Right. So. I don't know exactly when the lute became the guitar, but yeah, the, the lute is like the parent stringed instrument, and every culture has adapted it. You know. All right. Well, you know, when it's my turn to talk, you know, we'll we'll disprove all that. But uh, anyway, since Tom didn't do any real research, Tanda, what did you find uh, in your research? Oh, I just I I was researching lutes, and I found out that there were lutes on a on a podcast I used to listen to. <laughs> oh, and I thought one. they were relatively new, <laughs> yes. but, uh, yeah. What's a lute? No, I, 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 uh, What's no one knows. No one, no one knows the lutes, but they've been around for a long time. I researched sandwiches. So sandwiches, sandwiches. Yeah. Which is made of sand. Is that next week's topic? I thought that'd be really interesting to research sandwiches. What'd you find? I'm, I'm curious. More specifically, uh, sandwich, sandwich design or sandwich structures. <laughs> so when you have a thin skin, like on the top and bottom of something, and it gives it a lot of rigidity and support, and just how far back that goes. And, and I found some interesting tidbits because, you know, like airplane wings and lots of composites, but more specifically, you know, stringed instruments and hollow core doors are built this way where you have two skins and, and some lightweighted structure in between. One of the interesting things I found was that uh, da Vinci wrote about and discovered the neutral axis and the relations between, you know, span length and load and deflection, wrote a whole treatise on how you can create something with two, you know, like skins, like a guitar or a hollow core door. And it's structurally really strong, even though the middle is very lightweight. Like an I-beam? Like an I-beam, yeah. Just like an I-beam. See, Tom mm. Tom is following along on Google again. I already Googled four things you said. One of the interesting things I found about this is this whole document, the Madrid Codices, were kind of lost to time, where da Vinci had written about all of this and were rediscovered in 1965. And so people didn't realize that he had already researched this and discovered it, like many of the things he had until much later. I thought it was interesting that after his death, these codices were inherited by his pupil and heir, Francesco Melzi. Over 15 years later, Pompeo Leone, a sculptor, in the service of Philip II, purchased them from Melzi and brought them to Spain. When he died in 1608, the manuscripts were transferred to Juan de Espina, a friend of Francisco de Cuevado y... Viegas, and this is interesting, he was portrayed at the time as, quote, a gentleman who lives alone in a mansion in Madrid and has servants who are wooden automata. Huh. I, I, don't know, I don't know why that's included in the history, but apparently he was in possession of these manuscripts for quite some time. Eventually, they ended up in the, uh, in the library and were then misplaced. 
in the uh, Biblioteca Real and didn't reappear until 1964. But, you know, these famous manuscripts wow. that were just, you don't think about them. You think that everything da Vinci did because he was such a genius was just treated like, you know, a national treasure from day one. But in fact, it was just his writings and his books and mm. it got passed down and inherited and people thought they were interesting and they bought them and, and then they donated them to a library and... And so that was kind of interesting. So do you think that the discovery of those documents in 1964 led to the Holocord door craze that happened then throughout the 60s and 70s uh, and into the 80s? So you're saying da Vinci's responsible for that? I'm pretty sure that he's not only responsible, but I think it validated it. I yeah. think people were starting to make Holocord doors. Mm. And they were frowned upon. People thought it was ridiculous. They thought they should be making... That, that door's going to fall apart. Yeah. And then <laughs> and, and then right. when they found these documents, suddenly it became validated. And all of those people that were making Holocore doors looked like geniuses. Right. Yeah. So, no, it was definitely... And then the people that were making stuff out of Holocore doors, of course, are even higher, higher level of genius. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's next level. Yeah. Clearly, like, yeah, so basically what clearly. you're saying is people that they use hollow core doors and, and reclaim them to make other things are like better than Da Vinci is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. Hollow core yeah. doors. I just want to make sure we made it clear. If those people existed. Sure. <laughs> just want to make sure that was clear. <laughs> we don't know anybody like that. Let's be real. Well, we don't now, but in like 2078, someone will uncover the, the YouTube works. Uh, you know, of, Van, of, a of a young boy named Vance. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's probably what's going to happen for sure. Yeah. Stuffed, stuffed into insulation of a musical van. But the uh, did did it happen to list uh, what the Italian name for Holocord door was? I think it did, but I'm not sure I wrote it down. Uh, yeah, it's like Hollis Portalis, I think, or something like that. Oh, that sounds like something out of Harry Potter. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. Porta Tamburata. There you oh, go. We even rolled the R's. <laughs> Tom's already looked it up. I know I overrolled them, but it's fine. <laughs> Tom sounded better. <laughs> uh, I, I think so. All right. Well, the uh, first thing I did when I went into research was I was looking up guitar superstitions. And this is when I found out that Stevie Wonder wrote a song about superstitions and everyone wants to play it on a guitar, even though there apparently <laughs> was no guitar for that song. And there's literally thousands of websites dedicated to this. So I couldn't actually find any superstitions on guitars. It's very disappointed. But what I did find was several websites with guitar fun facts. And I got to tell you, there is a lot of contradictory information in the fun facts on guitars. For instance, the very first thing that it says is the guitar was first made in since 16th century Spain. But then if we skip down to fact number nine, or I'm sorry, number 15, it says the oldest acoustic guitar is about 3,500 years old. It was a stringed instrument that goes back to 2000 to 1500 BC in Asia, mainly in India and Persia. But the most complete guitar, the ancient first guitar originates in Egypt as well and was documented as being played by Egyptian singer Harmoz in the court of Queen Hapsiput. Ha ha I can't say that. And it was a three-stringed instrument. Oh, yeah, I, play, I played that club once. Yeah, I played that club. It was they, they watered down their drinks. I believe you. I believe you. 
A lot of cool cats, though. Yeah, <laughs> very cool cats. Just to, PJ, PJ, in that list of places that you just list, were any of them part of the Roman Empire? Uh, no, they were pre. They predated. So. They so. predated the Roman Empire. Exactly. So my research stands. I just, I just feel like I need to defend myself here. I, I think that um, to to actually add a little bit of of uh, to buffer between you two. I, I think there's. We don't need any buffing, there's Tim. A... No buffing, <laughs> please. <laughs> It's getting heated. It's getting heated. <laughs> um, I think that the, the contradictory information you find is because of the, the fact that some people would call a lute a guitar and other people would not say it's a guitar until it, it sort of took some specific shapes on and stuff like that. And that's probably why, like, you know, one one source is saying there was a guitar 3,500 years ago and then another one saying the 1500s. You know, it's just their definition of guitar might not be the same. You know what I mean? Right. That that's like basically the logic that Tom uses every single show. Yes. Yeah, I'm just gonna put that out and, there. And I'm mm. he just proved me right with my logic. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, Thank you for being here today. Oh, you're okay. welcome. Okay. You've now served your So the so the pictures now I'll really delete all of the pictures. The the photos are destroyed now. <laughs> all right, good. Oh my god, back with these photos. Okay, so uh, back to the facts here. The guitar pick was invented in nineteen twenty two by DeAndrea in the USA. Uh, no other name. I'm guessing this is like the Madonna of 1922. That didn't. I, I don't even know if it's a last name or if... the the Madonna of guitar picks in 1922. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, we have the next fact is uh, Antonio Torres Jurado is a Spanish guitarist and luthier, acknowledged as the most important Spanish guitar maker of the 19th century, and credited with the present-day classical guitar look and design. I'm sure that means something to guitar people. Well, if you think about the guitar that has that kind of like, it's almost like shaped like an eight, you know, like the two, there's like two sort of, uh, that's kind of where, where that's coming from. Like, Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, now we come back to the contradictory um, facts here. Fact number six, in 1936 was the year in which the first electric guitar was made, right? So so keep, keep stick with me I here. might be able to clear this and, up for you, but keep going. We, then we skip down to number nine, and now remember, we were in 1936. Number nine, it says, in 1931, American inventor of musical instruments George Beauchamp and Swiss-American electrical engineer Adolf Rickenbacker invented the first electronically amplified stringed instrument, an electric guitar, which uses electromagnetic radiation to transform string vibrations into electronic signals. I like that they call it electromagnetic radiation. That yeah. makes it sound uh, yeah. like radioactive or something. That's that's well, good. In that in that era, that was a hip word because people didn't realize it was like killing you. Right. You it was know. magic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was back when pickups were actually microwave transformers. Yeah. Right. And back when you would go into the shoe store and they had like an actual X-ray machine, you would stick your feet into and they'd X-ray your bones on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. And tell you what kind of shoes you needed. And like, meanwhile, they like were like, I mean, ridiculous levels of radiation coming out of these things. You know, no shielding. Little kids are sticking their feet in there. Yeah, because radiation was, like, yeah. was yeah, awesome. It was the king, you know. That's why podiatrists exist. The good old days. Good, good, good thing YouTube wasn't around. Because then <laughs> yeah. someone would have made their own and and had to suffer all of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of the haters. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, yeah. today I'm going to show you how to make your own X-ray machine. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Poor guy. Oh, who hasn't done that? You know, Tom owns one. So, uh, all right, skipping skipping down. Oh, I'm sorry, Tanda, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just sitting here pondering the, the alternative fact that maybe arrowheads are actually just ancient guitar picks and bows are 
original oh. one-string guitars. Mm. And and we've got this whole hunter-gatherer thing wrong. Absolutely. They they were just they were just musicians playing their yeah. one-string guitars it's, with yeah. with rock picks. <laughs> they just they weren't killing animals. They were begging for change on the side of the road, man. <laughs> Right. That's why. That's why you can't. Uh, that's that's why you don't find any of the arrow shafts anymore. It's not because the wood deteriorated. There oh, never were any arrow yeah. shafts. Those were just picks. Maybe they were just luring the animals in. Yeah, like a siren yeah. song. Yeah, they had a buddy in the bushes. You know, just Could waiting. On Definitely them for sure. Probably yeah. so. Yeah, hunter buskers. Like, oh, he's playing that song again. Come here, all the deer coming up. Like, oh, I love that song. <laughs> yeah. Then they just hit him with a rock. <laughs> Just where it's where uh, the first percussionists, yeah. the first percussionists are actually playing the heads per- of the deer. Yeah, oh, yeah they're actually concussionists <laughs> at the first at the first rock rock concerts. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. We're we're gonna hear from some animal rights group. I, I already I could. You're gonna hear from me. I'm gonna be writing a letter before we're done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You can send that. You can send that letter to uh, counsel. Oh crap! Counselor at timsway.net. Counsel <laughs> at timsway.net. Yeah, just write the letter to yourself. That's that's the best way to go, I think, for sure. Oh. Uh, moving right along, uh, skipping down to fact number seventeen. Hmm. Most people are aware of six-string guitars. Some know of four-string variants at best. However, there are twelve, seven, eight, and ten-string guitars. Uh, which are popular in the music world. And nowadays, uh, guitar strings are made out of nylon or steel, but older times, they were made out of animal intestines. So, yeah. I have a 12-string right over there, and I'm actually making two seven-strings right now in my shop. Point in case. So they were were Mm. made from gut, like tennis rackets used to be strung with? Yeah, cat gut. Same, same. same. Horse gut, Yeah. yeah, gut. Yeah. yeah, interesting. I didn't realize guitar strings. Were a lot of uh, well. violin players and cellos and whatnot, uh, people that are really into recreating period music, like, you know, will still, you can still get animal gut uh, strings for those instruments. There are, there are people that still play with them. Uh, weirdos is what we call them in the biz. That, you, yeah, yeah, okay. We're, we're, we like yeah. weirdos. <laughs> the uh, number 23, Jimi Hendrix is in the top three most influential guitarists of all time. Uh, had a Stratocaster carved into his tombstone in commemoration of his importance to the guitar world. Did anybody know that? That's cool. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah. And not only that, number 24, Jimi Hendrix was so unique. Uh, his style was completely unorthodox. He used to hold a right-handed guitar upside down, strung backwards because he was left-handed. And he sometimes did completely crazy things and played the guitar with his teeth or behind his back so i don't, I don't know if that's crazy but well it was then now it is everybody does it because he did it first you know um mm. but it back then it's still today it's difficult to get a quality left-handed instrument i'm a left-handed human and everything i do in my life but i play guitar right-handed and i'm very thankful for that but uh, i'm also because i'm left-handed sensitive uh i make several of my clients have been left-handed musicians that have you know like they're just they can't find good stuff. They need people like me to make it, you know. Corner in the market there. Mm. All right. This is definitely a weird one. In 2021, a man named Chris Black, a British musician, actually married a Fender Stratocaster. This was proclaimed his, he fell deeply in love with his guitar, which is known by the name Brenda the Fender. Uh, he apparently <laughs> dated the guitar for 35 long years before marrying it. Uh, the marriage took place in a church in London, and then the guitar became his second wife because he's actually married to a human being for for real, uh, so they say. So that's uh, 
That's a thing that happened. Brits are weird people. I wonder how the first wife felt about that. I, the, I think the question would be, how did she put up with 35 years of being cheated on? Right. That's um, that, that would be my question. I mean, where's the trust, you know? I liked the guy until I heard the name. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and then yeah. I was like, I can't support this. Yeah. Yeah, if it was like Stella the Fenda, I think that would have been better. But Brenda, no one marries a Brenda. Oh, I actually my my first guitar is is a, is a Stella by Harmony. Uh, Harmony was a uh, inexpensive like Sears kind of guitar back in the day. Um, it was old when I got it, and I still have it, and it's still in the house. I still play it sometimes. Um, so I should I marry it? Is that what you're saying? Should I marry that guitar? Yes, I wouldn't. I don't recommend it. I don't. I don't recommend. I, th- it. I think it's pretty common to name guitars, though, right? Just oh, sure. Not marry them. Just sure. not marry them. Oh uh, yeah. Well, so um, maybe maybe we should make it. If you name it, you can't marry it, but you can marry it if you don't name it. Well, if you married an unnamed guitar, then how would you introduce your wife? <laughs> you know the song. That that'd be weird at parties, right? You know the song. I've been to the desert with a guitar with no name. Right. Oh, right. who hasn't heard that old chestnut? Yeah, you know, that, know song. that song. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. For sure. Tune. Yeah. All right, uh, moving right along. Uh, number thirty. Oh, we're not done yet. Oh my god! All right, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> oh, I skipped. This is this is like I skipped a bunch of them. I've never heard it called "Been to the Desert" before. Yeah, there's this is only half. I got rid of half yeah. the fun facts here. I'm only picking out the good ones. These are the weird ones. So uh, we have Dave Brown, who's an Irish guitarist, accomplished the record of the longest marathon playing a guitar. On the 18th of June in 2011, by playing continuously for 114 hours, 6 minutes, and 30 seconds at the Temple Bar Pub in Dublin, Ireland. Isn't that what you're recording next week's podcast for your fact segment? No, definitely not. No. <laughs> no. But it's, we're, we're strictly an American-based show. We, we don't go to Dublin. Okay. But um, my, my immediate thought when I read that was... How is he holding his pee for 111 hours? That's he's he had to go at some point. It's got to be right? a set break, I mean, right? I mean, there's got to be a. It says continuous. He played continuous down to the the second. So I mean, I don't even like. I guess he played without food. You know, I mean, that's that's. Oh no, you can eat. You can eat and play. Well, that that'll keep people from stealing from yeah. your tip jar. I mean, I, I yeah. could if he's you know if you're was this recent? Was this modern? Because he could be on a wireless. Two thousand eleven. Oh yeah, he's wireless and he's walking to the bathroom. He's wireless. He's eating while he plays. I mean, you don't need two hands to play the guitar all the time. You know. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. No, I think I think I could do that. I think I could do that. I mean, I'm I'm glad you believe you could do it, Tim. I I I don't believe it, but that's that's good that you do. So uh, we got two more left here. Two more. So uh, I don't think I have the attention span for it, though. Yeah, m- yeah. M- me either, for sure. Getting getting through this list with PJ is the first test. Of right. Life. Yeah. I'm training. Uh, You're in training. I'm already, right now. I'm, I'm, I quit. <laughs> My plan has worked. If only I could get Tom to quit, then we'd be on a roll. Uh, number 31, uh, the most valuable guitar in the world was created by a Hong Kong-based Aaron Shum Jewelry and collaborated with Gibson in 2015 and is said to be worth $2 million at the time. Composer-producer Mark Liu was the designer of Gibson's white SG named the Eden of Coronet, which was decorated with... 11,441 diamonds, which total carat weight of 401.15 carats, set in 18-carat gold. 
the ridiculous thing is there's bound to be someone's guitar, you know, some famous guitarist guitar that's sold for way more than that. Oh, there is. And it's just a beat up old guitar. <laughs> oh yeah. There's a, you know? the, the latest yeah. interesting one is, um, uh, the Ramones guitar. It's a, it's a Maserite if I remember correctly. And it's just like, they were like kind of like a cheap guitar in the sixties and seventies that you would buy. It was like a, again, like a Sears kind of guitar. And it, apparently this guy, Johnny Ramone or whatever, he played every show with that guitar. So everywhere the Ramones ever played live, that guitar was there and it just sold for a million bucks. So that wow. that's that's not the most expensive. I, I actually cut that fact out because I didn't I didn't think it was funny, but uh, the guitar that Kurt Cobain used uh, just sold at auction a couple years ago for six million. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was interesting fact, but I cut it out. The big question um, is is what part of the world and what uh, period in the Earth's you know, Jurassic period that those diamonds come from because it makes a big difference with the tone. There are some diamonds no. are tone diamonds, and then and then some uh, not the tone some again. Some just don't. Some just don't sound. I, it didn't say sixteen karat gold sounds say. so much better than eighteen karat gold. I mean, they just did everything wrong, is what I'm saying. Well, then you're really not going to like this last fact. <laughs> I'll tell you right good. now, Tim. So. <laughs> Uh, number 33 here is Harold Craighead and Dustin Carr of Cornell University in New York made the smallest guitar replica in 1997. The minuscule guitar was 10 micrometers long and had a 0.5 uh, micrometer thick string, uh, which actually produced sounds. However, the sounds were made at frequencies outside the human ear or hearing range. Uh, so no one could actually hear them, but they could be detected by machine. This is actually like a MIMS strain gauge, right? I mean, they they, they actually just made a, a semiconductor strain gauge, but they called it a guitar. If you say so. Yeah, that's clever. That's really clever. You know what they call sounds that humans can't hear? Not sounds. Not sounds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if dogs hear them, they're sounds though, right? Did you know that there's frequencies that we could hear as children that we can't hear anymore? You can actually, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. wicked interesting because you can find them on YouTube and you can play them. And I was, did mm-hmm. you do it to your son yet, Tom? No. Do you know that there's ringtones? Oh yeah, that do that. So ringtones that only kids can hear. Yeah, when my kids were in junior high, they all had like their ringtones and their text set to the. They called it the mosquito tone. Right. The, and mom yeah. hear. and after a certain age, the teacher teacher couldn't hear yeah and the kids thought it was great great fun to play them i just learned yeah. that like a couple of years ago and i didn't i didn't know that i mean it made sense to me because i know I, I don't hear anywhere near as well as i used to but so i went i was like i heard this like the frequency where that kind of starts so i found it and i and i just played it on my computer with my headphones on and i couldn't hear it so i unplugged the headphones so it was coming out of the speakers and my son like two rooms over was like what is that horrible noise like almost instantly Wow, <laughs> I couldn't hear anything. Tom, you got to try it. Yeah, it, and it's the weirdest. It's the weirdest thing because my my daughters were like, uh, "That's awesome." Yeah, they were like, it, "It's a situation where it's like someone's saying, do you see that thing over there?'" And you're like, "No, I don't." Yeah, and you're yeah. like, "Are you sure?" Yeah, the dress is black and gold. And but because my daughters, my daughters were like, "You can't hear it. You're really, you're not, you're not joking. You really can't hear it." And I'm like, "No, I cannot hear it." And they're like. I'm going to turn it up, you know, to 11. <laughs> Can you hear it? And and they're they're like cringing and I'm going, "No, no, yeah. I can't hear it." My my yeah. son had me in his room a couple of weeks ago cuz there was some noise. He's like, "Do you hear that?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't hear it." He's like, "Something I don't know if it was like um like a power cord or something like was a power supply." Yeah, or yeah, something. someone was yeah. making some, like some like, yeah. you know, relay or something. It, oh, we we figured it out. It was like a 
one of those power bricks that you put that has the USB things in it. Yeah, switching. We swapped it with the one in the kitchen so it wouldn't be in his room and you know nobody hears it in the kitchen, you know, but um yeah, um, it was like driving him nuts. You couldn't get to sleep. For all I know, it's up there screaming away right now. I don't know. <laughs> That's how you raise kids, right? Yeah. For sure. For yeah, sure. I grounded them, of course, you know. <laughs> Naturally. That's the end of the segment. Sometimes sometimes when you ground a kid, it'll stop that squealing. Yeah. 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 It's just usually a grounding and the problem. And light, the lights come back on. Yeah. You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. All right, this was a good week for the dealer's corner. I got two that I'm bringing up. First one's called The Coin Collector's Find. I found uh, this guy named Charles Schaefer, who was a longtime metal detector enthusiast and coin collector. We had a big, long conversation about that. He actually does, like, historical research on battle sites for, like, universities and stuff, like going to Gettysburg and things like that. And he had a Delta bandsaw, 14 inch which i have the entire prominence of it came from the muhlenberg high school in pennsylvania it's a 1967 model and his uncle bought it uh from the school when they were changing machinery out for 500 dollars. and then his uncle passed away and then he got it and then he sold it to me and he wanted 150 and i talked him down to 100 it was mostly complete. It had the bent steel base with the dust chute, and uh, it had wheels attached with a with a wooden frame. So only a few things missing, which I can fabricate or find. So that was that was the first uh, the first thing I found. And then the next we have the junkyard jingle. So if you remember way back when I was talking about picking up a bandsaw from Pumpkin Longshanks, he told me about this place that had all kinds of tools and stuff for sale. This junkyard. And I'd never been down there. So I decided to go down because it was sort of on the way from picking up this bandsaw. This place is, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want anybody else going there. Yeah. But the deals were, they were okay. I, I didn't get, they weren't they weren't up to junk hunter standards. Like I had to put some things back because the guy was trying to charge me a little too much. But I did get a few good things. So Tim, you'll appreciate this first thing. Uh, I got a 27-inch by 17 by 15-inch Thermopack instrument case with wheel mounts. You familiar with that brand? No. So it's it, it's the typical chest with, like, the aluminum runners going all around the corners and the edges so that, you know, you can travel yeah. with it and you, you open case. it up. And it's, yeah. it's a roadie case. Yeah. yeah. It's padded. Yeah. I picked up a Fulton V-Belt drive uh, double bench grinder with a 4-inch mm. to 8-inch capacity. Uh, a pack of four new two-inch ball wheels, which just happened to fit that instrument case. Uh, they had nice uh, antique brass finish on them. I got a Craftsman 19-inch weed remover, a 3M 4-inch fiber paint stripping wheel, a 12-inch Henry Diston dovetail saw, an Atkins 20-inch crosscut saw, a 600-volt Killark heavy-duty two-button stop-start controller, in a metal box that's the kind of where it looks like a start stop switch but it needs a relay mm -hmm. and this was after i wandered around for two hours through this place and this had they had i can't even describe all this stuff uh, i will say that that i left a bench grinder there that had 12 inch wheels it was a 480 volt bench grinder 
and it looked like it basically could grind the space shuttle like it was it was massive uh, and i don't think i could pick it up but um all of that um everything i just mentioned i got for 50 bucks so wow not too bad it's not yeah, bad at all that's that's pretty good yeah and that's it those are the deals for this week just that road case alone is probably worth 50 bucks if you clean it up you know easily used used road case is a couple hundred bucks well a new one's a couple hundred bucks you know, but a used one, easily you can sell it for 50. I put the new wheels on it, and those wheels are like ice. 75 now. Like, I put it down, and it just starts rolling. Yeah, it's just like, I haven't You'll... decided whether I want to keep it or sell it. Like, it's 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 like, it's like. Yeah. Is that what you do? You flip this stuff? Oh, yeah. 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 I find that... stuff that I want, then I keep that stuff, and then the other yeah. stuff I sell. Yeah. So. Like Tom. Like Tom does a lot of that. Tom used to do that. Oh, I thought you meant. Well, he collected me, and then he sold yeah. me a couple times. <laughs> yes, that's how I actually got Tom on the show. I bought him yeah. really cheap. Me selling Tom a little bit each week on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how it goes. Just just parts of my soul. I, I can get my money's worth out of him, you know what I mean? <laughs> Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in, maybe we'll read it on air. All right, it's time for personal history. Tim, you're a guest. You get to go first. What is your personal history with guitar making? Well, I I was a musician. I don't. I mean, I guess once you are, you always are. But um, I always uh, like a marine. What's that? Like a marine. Yeah. Right. Once a <laughs> musician, always. Once a, just yeah, just we're just like marines. Everything about it: the discipline, the physical fitness. Same, 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 yeah, same, same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hours, the hours are the same. You know. <laughs> you can drink you can drink about the same <laughs> so <laughs> well not you <laughs> uh, i was I, you know i've always been a tinker or whatever and um and so you know i when i was didn't have any workshop or even any kind of concept of of woodworking or tools or making uh you know i, I would pick up these you know cheap instruments and i'd you know rip frets out or put different you know changing them take them apart putting you usually making them worse but trying to make them better and then one day i i, uh, I rented an apartment from a guy that was a cabinet maker and he had a you know two car garage workshop like the kind of typical cabinet maker type workshop with the the big old unisaw in the middle of the room and you know and uh and i i didn't know anything about any of that stuff and i was looking around and he played a little guitar and i told him i was like well i was you know i'm always putzing around like i always wanted to make my own bass from scratch because i can never find one that you know is the way i want it you know and he, he says to me oh you're nuts he's like that's too much work you can't do that you, nobody can make a guitar like that's a, and so i mean this guy he had a table saw and he knew how to play i was like he knows what he's talking about you know um, so I put it out of my head and a couple weeks later I'm walking by and this is like pre-internet, you know? Um, and, uh, and I see him out there in his, in his shop and he's got like the shapes that look like guitars cut out on his workbench and he's got a bunch of books stacked up next to him. You went to the library and he bought <laughs> books on guitar making. And I was like, what, what are you doing? He's like, no, he's like, I, th I think I can do this. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, you gotta, you, I, w I won't let, you gotta bring me in. And so he taught me, like I was, I used the bandsaw and like the spindle sander and hand tools and then like everything like you know like the everything you become the table saw i had him do i was terrified of that thing and uh and we made instruments like actually here um there's one right here this is like i made a, about probably four or five instruments back then and only one of them i still have that survived and this is it and um wow, and it yeah. is made of thanks so i made this in like 1998 ish mm. And it's it's it's, like, it's almost vintage now, which is crazy. You'll notice uh, the astute eye that the body, solid mahogany, and the fingerboard is pure ebony. Wow! Uh, from Africa, really? Yeah, right. Very expensive stuff. And like I said, I was learning, and I was under the impression that 
that was what you needed to make a guitar because that's all the books that you use this or that or what. And I said, like, okay, you know, what do I know? There's no internet. So, you know, you go, you spend 50 bucks in this block of wood, you screw it up. It ends up in the fire pit. You know, I was like, oh my God. And, uh, and I was doing all this stuff by hand and a lot of sanding and a lot of t- just, and I was thinking about it, like researching wood and learning about where it came from and how it grew. And, uh, you know, nobody thought about the internet in the nine or the, uh, the environment in the nineties either. That was like, it was like Al Gore and nobody else cared, you know, it was like, whatever, you know? And, uh, and, but I was just sitting there in the, in the work, like working and I'd be thinking about it, like partly out of the expense of like the personal investment and expense I had. And then I was just saying, like, why does it cost so much? Well, they got to cut it down. You think about what, you know, how was it cut down? Like how long the tree took, how did it get here? The whole process. And that was where I first started really becoming aware of, uh, of, I was like, oh wait, there's consequences to my actions. You know, like, um, yeah. and, I, and I made this, and it's a great sounding bass, but um, it's not because of the mahogany. That's not why it sounds good. You know, right. it sounds good because of me. <laughs> I, I thought for sure you were going to say because of the blood sacrifice you made while you were putting it together, but that. that oh that yeah, I mean there was, right. you know, there was a couple goats and stuff, but you well, know. Can, what so what what shape is that guitar? Can you can you um, just tell people what? Well, we just well okay, so. It? You can actually, if, on my YouTube channel, there's a, a video where I show this uh, fairly recently because I was comparing it to a, a more modern bass I made, which is also over there. Um, but so it's basically a, I never wanted to ever copy the designs of other instruments that were made. So this is my own personal design. And what I did was, I it's it's like a double cutaway, they call it, where there's like a horn on the top and on the bottom. And it's fretless. Um, uh-huh. And uh, what I... Tim, you can lower that. They can't see it. I know. I'm, I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, what I did back then was, you know, no computers weren't part of the, the process then, you know, and uh, I cut out a picture in a magazine of a bass that I liked, um, and I hung it from the ceiling with a flashlight over it and projected a shadow onto a piece of paper, and then I used that shadow and I manipulated the the the, the bent and folded the the paper a little bit, the the cutout until I liked the shape of the shadow and then I trace that and that's what you're looking at. That's cool. That sounds way safer than using the sun in a makeup mirror. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. thinking the same thing. Mm. Uh, this was this was also the time period where no one had magic markers. So that was a great way to do it. Yeah. Well, 100%. no, I did it I did it standing on the on the edge of an I-beam while the uh, Empire State Building was being built. So Oh, oh, that definitely no magic markers. On my lunch they break. didn't have those back yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> on my lunch break. That's fantastic. Well, it looks good. It looks really good. Uh, so it obviously worked. Thank you. So where did you go from there? What was the next the next move? Well, from there, um, they sold the house and I had to go find another apartment and I never made instruments again until, you know, like 10 years ago, I started, you know, um, a little longer ago than that, that I started making stuff and getting back into, you know, I, we, I got married and I was, uh, finally, you know, we had a little more space when we bought our house and I had a little more time and a little more disposable income that I didn't have as a struggling musician, you know? And so I was able to buy like a little bandsaw and a tool and I started messing around making stuff and selling on an Etsy and furniture and, and, uh, and really enjoying that, that process. And after, you know, several years of doing that, a lot of, you know, like I was making YouTube videos, making a lot of furniture, you know, into the reclaimed thing. I was, that was very important to me. The, and I started making these sort of silly instruments, like we're talking about like the snow skis with strings and stuff like that and like skateboards and stuff. And then I kind of realized like, oh, wait a minute, like maybe I can actually do what I, cause I mean, that, that instrument took me like, like four months to build or something. You know what I mean? Like it was just, you know, a ridiculous amount of time. And I was like, well, I actually know what I'm doing now. I have some tools, like maybe I could try again. And I made a couple of guitars. They, they weren't very good. And then I made a couple more and they were a little better. And then, you know, still doing that. Just keep making them and getting better. You know, I, I'm listening to you, Tim. And, and the thing that comes to mind is 
because I know I know your feelings about tone wood and, and so forth. Have you ever tried to make a guitar out of something that absolutely people would just be like, oh, there's no possible way you could make that into a guitar? Like the thing I'm thinking of is, have you ever tried to take something like say like like dried grass and like like <laughs> glue it together into a into like a form and then make a guitar out of grass? And people are like, oh, it's never going to work. Well, it exists. Don't become an epoxy right. channel. Please don't become an epoxy there's channel. A, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that do that, but they're, re- they're really doing is they're making, like, oh, I made this out of gumballs. Like, no, you made it out of epoxy with gumballs in it. Like, it's an epoxy guitar, you know? Right, like right. That's, and, and people say that all the time. Like, I made the one out of nails. Uh, I have a guitar that's made out of, uh, there's a small wooden core that holds the pickups, and then the whole body is all just nails welded together, hundreds of old reclaimed nails. It, uh, it was a, a lot of work. And people say, like, oh, you should put epoxy over it so it's not sharp. I'm like, well, that's not the point. The point is that it actually is made of nails and it is sharp, you know. And I have I have a, I have yeah. a series of uh, – well, it's not really a series. There's only two of them so far. But I, uh, I have two bases that I've made with no wood at all. One's solid acrylic with an aluminum fingerboard. One is 100% Corian with some metal hardware. And I want to do more of those, too, of just, like, straying. And then I have some where I made with, like, no body. I just did, like, an aluminum – like, skinny aluminum frame. Uh, so the whole thing's aluminum. That one has a wooden right. neck, but to just sort of show that, and you know, you know what? Guess what? The hollow one doesn't sound as good as a wooden guitar because there's not nothing to resonate. But it's not about the material itself per se. It's just like the density, you know, the the existence of material. I guess like the acrylic one sounds friggin' awesome. Like, that thing's great. You know, oh the, well, then you you need to make one out of cement. Uh, yeah, I've seen some. Some guys have done that, and they they they're re- they're obviously heavy. Um, I wanted to do on my list is to do it out of papercrete instead of concrete um, mm-hmm. to use paper as the aggregate to keep it try to make one see if I can make one that was actually functioningly light enough to play because that's you get into issues of that too of like weight you know right but yeah you I mean you you could you could put strings on anything you know what I mean and obviously you know what what I'm more interested in now is like at first it was like the shock value of like all oh, the snow ski with strings on it. and now it's more about you know making something that's actually like you know like virtuoso players would want to play that instrument but it's made f- with that same attitude you know and with that same conscience you know that's what i'm into it right now but i do have i just um i haven't even talked about this yet but i just signed a contract to do an art display in july in richfield connecticut tom so you can come visit oh very cool in an art nice. gallery and so i have like two walls that i'm going to have guitars on for two months as like functional art and they'll be for selling and so what i don't want to do is i don't want to just put my inventory there and then mark it up for gallery prices because they take a cut. You know what I mean? So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a bunch of my wackier instruments out that I kind of just made for me, like the nail guitar that's never, and the carpet guitar I made with Keith Deason. You know, the, right. the, the more artsy stuff. And But that also is giving me a reason to make more ridiculous guitars. So that's like the first half of 2022. I'm going to be... Tr- that's trying to, cool. and I'll probably end up putting, you know, padding it out with a couple, just you know, more traditional guitars that I've made, of course, just to, I want to show like the the story, you know what I mean, of everything, like the the completely bizarre. I, I'm thinking about like sort of categorizing it, categorizing it like um, like materials are greater than like a greater than simple, you know, uh, function, and then and then having the other half be like function is greater than materials, you know, and sort of having like two walls, one of like nail guitars and all that BS, and then the other one where where you apply that and make something usable, you know. I got a good idea for you. I don't know if you're going to like it or not, but I know that there's a long-standing history with uh, rock musicians and drugs. And I was thinking, what if you made a guitar out Sidebar, of... Sidebar, Tom? Tom? Yeah, yeah, I was Tim? about to. What's up? Uh, 
What, what happened? I, PJ I, I just think, disappeared. I think maybe he's oh. uh, musicians and drugs. I think he's making this up. I've never heard this before. No, no I don't know. I, I, I never heard never. anything about that. Probably. Yeah. Probably some antiquated stereotype that he yeah, looked Yeah, I think it's probably totally unfounded. You know... Uh, yeah. I mean, like, remember my music teacher? Totally straight. Yeah. I was I mean, a musician was like for 20-something years. I never saw anybody do any drugs. Any, any... I mean, I was... I toured with bands. Okay. I never saw that. Okay. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just me. Wait, so Hang on one second there's... before we come out of this. Just move it. Okay. <clears throat> Whoa! Let's go. All right. Come on. Okay. <laughs> what? What's... What was that? I think he blew his nose. No, I think, sure. yeah, it's just, I think, he's got something on his face still. Oh, but what, I'm sorry. Anyway, okay. I'm sorry, PJ. Oh, what there's, there's PJ. There's PJ. So I was saying, if you took uh, the the used uh, prescription pill bottles, you know, like those orange bottles, and you were able to form them into the shape of a guitar, you could make sort of like a statement about music and drugs. You know what might be fun, know. too, is uh, to get a bunch of <laughs> dirty syringes. <laughs> That might be a little trickier, but you could probably do it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could get clean ones. Definitely, definitely have to have a tourniquet capo for that one. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was thinking like you know the 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 bottles, the pill bottles are basically cylinders, and you right. could you could you know glue all those together. Syringes might be a little trickier to make into a shape, but mm. uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's a statement. I don't know you what know, kind of statement it is, but interesting that I, I can't think of another example. I mean, this is art hanging on the wall. That you could take off the wall and make a different art form with. Right. That's what it, mm-hmm. that's what attracts me to it. So so you you have like art hanging on the wall. Yes. And and you could take that off the wall and turn it into another art, it being music, which is interesting. I I take trash that makes art that makes art. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's very cool. It's what yeah. it's what really like drives me now is that idea that like the 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 story doesn't end with me, and just hanging on someone's wall. You know what I mean? Like that's what that's what I really get into. Um, so that and that was like what I discussed with this art gallery. And, you know, so the ideas that'll be set up and like instead of having signs that say "Do not touch," it's gonna be like signs that say "Touch." You know, like please, like play mm-hmm. these. You know, and maybe we might even do something musical in the in the gallery. We're not really sure yet, but yeah, no, that'd be very cool to have something something just where you know people are playing them through succession or something. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to do too, always was, uh, cause there's always, you know, I mean, I know some local, you know, artists, painters, sculptors, whatever. And I thought it was, that'd be kind of cool to do a, a show, not this show, but if it goes well, maybe I could get the, the juice to do it again. And, and to just make like 20 identical guitar bodies and then give them to 20 different artists and have them just do whatever the heck mm. they want. And then, and then get them back and then assemble them into functioning guitars and, you know, and promote other yeah, yeah. artists, promote other no, artists be- art through that. There's just so much potential. Guitars are just cool, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. Guitars are cool. Tom, what's your personal yeah. history with guitar making? This episode. That's it. Mm. I mean, I've been in Tim's shop a couple times. Mm-hmm. That's as close as I've come to building a guitar, though. Literally. You've done more than be in my shop, though. You've, you've been integral in a couple of my videos. You filmed for me. Well, that's true, but... It- yeah, but I didn't make any guitars in those videos. But you made a guitar video, yeah. sort of. Oh, snap. Right? You're right. Yeah. And, we, and you discussed with me about what I'm you basic. want, what to, should be highlighted and featured in the film and all that stuff. You did a great job. I I, I'm, I did I did get to go to, to uh, uh, what's your friend's uh, the, studio? The Red, Red Room Sound Red Studio. Room? Yeah. Yeah, that was freaking cool, man. 
because I'm a I'm an old tool kind of guy too, and he had some old audio tools. He was into it. Yeah, that was really. Cool. I'm bummed we couldn't make that happen again because I'm going back. I'm super bummed actually. My daughter's gonna do it. She's she's pretty good with the camera, so she took the day off from work. Yeah. But, uh, not that we have to talk about this here, but I could loan you my equipment also if she wants other stuff. But we'll talk okay. about that later. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, well. Yeah, so that's it. I got nothing, though. Uh, like a half of nothing. You did something, but we're not really sure what it was. Right, typical. Tanda, yeah. do you have a personal history with guitar making? I have less than Tom. I, I haven't even shot a guitar making video. I, I put mm. some rubber bands on a cigar box in grade school. Mm. That's, that that's, counts. That's probably it. Same physics, and, same principles. Yeah. <laughs> Tim's made guitars out of less. Probably so, Yeah. <laughs> And he probably used, you know, natural rubber or something that wasn't uh, sourced sourced <laughs> yes. from a free-range rubber tree. But uh, oh yeah. yeah, they're hard to track down rubber. those free-range tr- rubber trees. Oh yeah, just when you're about to poke them with that little stick, and they move to the left three inches. No, I haven't. I haven't done anything. Probably the closest I've come to being any part of making anything musical, and, and it. I, I, maybe there's some irony. It actually made things less musical. I was making effects boxes uh, when I was in college. I, you know, I helped some friends by making, you know, fuzz boxes and stuff, which which basically took very musical sine waves and turned them into not so musical, you know, square waves. Or, or I guess that's a that's an opinion thing. Yeah, there's a. But I, I've never really, I've, I've never really, you know, been around that. There are a few people at our local makerspace that are making guitars and making effects pedals, remaking tube amps. And I find it all really interesting, the making aspect and the technology aspect, but I'm just not very musical. Haven't had much incentive. I've owned guitars through the years and and thought I might start playing and played a little bit and then they just collect dust. No, I don't have any, any history with guitar making at all. So that'll keep the segment short. I find that hard to believe, Tanda. Every time we talk about something, you always pull a skill out of thin air. Like I was expecting to be like, oh yeah, well, you <laughs> well, know, back when I had my cover band, you know, Meat Lamp. She did say back in the day when I was making effects pedals, which is pretty, it's pretty cool. And that's a very in thing again. Like there's, well, it's kind of always been in. It's kind of come back around. Yeah. I mean, tube amps and effects pedals, you yeah. know, they've kind of, you know, I mean, they've always been around, but now it's kind of chic to be remaking some of these and, and to be remaking them to the old design with right. the old parts, which is kind of a tone wood thing as well. I think you could reproduce the same tone. Well, yes, yes and no. Without using those parts in I, I many think- cases. I think that the, 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 the pedal actually is going to be more effective than the, the wood. Um, and so what happened was the technology came about like where everything became digital, right? And the first mm-hmm. generation of digital stuff, everybody hated it. And then it got good and everybody loved it. But now they're starting to want to get old school again and get back into this hand-wired stuff. It's kind of coming back, you know? Right. And it, it, it's like, so it which is so interesting that musicians that are making the most modern sounding rock music and stuff today are are like jonesing after the, the basically the, the stuff that the Beatles were using to make the, you know, it's like it's still valuable and still viable. It's really interesting. Right. And yeah, and people went to great lengths to reproduce those effects yeah. digitally when they could have bought a 70 cent op amp and, yeah. and made a pedal to actually have it on stage live <laughs> instead yeah. of having this enormous effects board. Yeah, so that that was it. That was really interesting. And it was, you know, something where I kind of got into you know, that, that, uh, world of musicians handcrafting things and, and all, and, and I have an appreciation for it. I just don't, uh, 
I don't have a musical bone in my body. So, well, except for maybe this one, but it's a little cracked. <laughs> don't don't stress it. Don't stress it too much there. Too. What about you, PJ? Were were you in a cover band and and made made your own covers? We 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 didn't have any covers. No, uh, we not even not even slip covers or no no Very. not even slip covers. The only thing that comes close to what we're talking about is when I was in high school, I I took electronics. And my teacher, Mr. Roman, was one of those hardcore rockers from like back in the day. He wore black every day, black shirt, black pants, black jeans, black boots. And him and his his band would play weddings. And for some reason... (laughs) In in his all-black attire, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So for some reason, uh, one day he decided he didn't want to teach us anything about electronics. He puts in this video that looks like it's probably from the 70s. And it's about this guy that's making an acoustic guitar from scratch. And Tim, I, I know that you just picked up one of these tools. He's using, I don't remember the name of it, but he's using this thing that basically looks like a, a stovepipe. It looks almost like it's like the diameter of like a can of soup, but it's hot. And you take thin wood that's wet and then you bend it around this little stovepipe thing and it helps you to make the shape of the acoustic guitar to get those curves into it without breaking the wood. And I remember him even like hand cutting the little design, like the little parts that went around the opening of the guitar. And like, yeah, this was like a full on course of how to make an acoustic guitar. And up until that point, I don't think I'd ever seen an acoustic guitar because <laughs> I didn't play guitar. Uh, I am I'm musically inept. Uh, I the closest I ever got to anything was in the and in the fourth grade I played the trumpet. <laughs> oh man, that's gonna cost me. I would talk to my lawyer. So uh, other than I was very good, like I could play. All the all the keys or all the chords, whatever they're called for the trumpet at that time. But the guy was like, oh, well, we need drummers. So then I dropped the trumpet because I didn't think it was cool and I wanted to be a drummer. But then he would never give me a drum. He just gave me like a little rubber pad to hit with the sticks. And so I'm like beating on this pad for like weeks and weeks. And I'm like, when do I get a drum? And he's like, when you're good at the pad. I'm like, how good do I need to be to hit this piece of rubber glued to a piece of wood? I don't, I don't know this teacher, but I'm guessing you sucked at the trumpet. <laughs> I was really good at the trumpet, okay? I'm just saying. Hey, man, you're like our number one trumpet player, so why don't we give you this silent piece of rubber to hit? <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not saying that I actually played in a band. I'm just saying I could play all the notes. That's all, you know. My my musical experience is somewhat similar in that I I didn't even get that far, PJ, so don't feel bad. Yeah, I played the violin for like a week. Because we had, uh, like going going from grade school to, I guess it was grade school to middle school, um, they gave this test, this music test. And so we all sat in the cafeteria with a piece of paper in front of us, and they played notes. And they said, we don't care if you know anything about music, we just want you to place these notes whether they're higher or lower and they would play a tone and then you just wrote something on your paper. And I had no clue. I had no one, you know, had done music in my family, no musical instruments around. And then the result of that was then like the next day we find out which kids get to get to go into band and, and which kids don't. And at that point in my life, I was just like, okay, well, I'm, I'm 
not not musical, you know, and and decided I'd do other things. All right, so I'll give you this is this is this is the the depths of how bad the musicality is. When I was not right at the beginning of the film industry, but a few years in, uh, there was an actor that knew a lot of celebrity people, and he had a holiday party. He still has it, actually. Just had his holiday party, and so all these people would show up. And I went the first year that I was able to go, that he invited me, and I, I get introduced to Randy Jones. And I'm like, oh, it's nice to meet you. And the guy that's next to him is like, don't, don't you know who this is? I'm like, um, I'm going to guess he's an actor. I, I don't know. And so for those of you that don't know, Randy Jones is the cowboy in The Village People. And as soon as he said, you know, the guy's like, he's, he was the cowboy in the village people. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I know that. Like, I know visual. I don't know anybody's names. I don't know names of songs. I don't know any. So, so this is like, you know, it's like it's like meeting, you know, Michael Jackson. I'm like, here, this is Michael Jackson. Oh, it's nice to meet you. No idea who he was. <laughs> that's 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 the level of my musical acuity so, so no randy offense. jones and michael jackson or i mean yeah i mean i don't think anyone from the village people are going to listen but in case in case you're listening i, I, um, I will be the one to say I'm not not saying but randy jones sir you are no michael jackson i'm going on the record <laughs> if you were you wouldn't have to dress up like an indian no he was the cowboy oh the cowboy oh, oh i'm sorry i take that back then no he's absolutely michael jackson oh cowboy no no that's like the paragon of music I'm pretty sure Michael Jackson dressed up as Randy Jones in one of his videos. <laughs> well, sucky darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial interludes and stuff. Hey, this is Luke down at Johnson's Hardware. Are supply chains getting you down? Having trouble sourcing tone wood for your guitar making? Is mahogany, rosewood, and ebony evading you? Now you can turn any wood into tone wood with Johnson's Tone Wood Putty. With Johnson's Tone Wood Putty, you can turn pine into paduk, pallets into pow pharaoh, poplar into purple heart. Wood putty is made from a blend of mahogany, rosewood, and ebony extract. Johnson's Tone Wood Putty may cause skin irritation. Filling holes larger than a dime will overtone your wood. Don't use tone wood putty if your volume goes to 11. Pick up a tube Johnson's Tone Wood Putty for $19.99. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash makerskittles. Well, dagnabbit, I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, it's time for crossbreeding. Tim, what skill goes well with guitar making? Well, the one that I'm working the hardest on is patience. That is not something that everybody is born with. And uh, I definitely have a tendency to to want to move on to the next thing. And guitar making requires a lot of patience of just digging in, you know? Uh, I, I hate to bust it to you, Tim, but patience is a virtue, not not a skill. You, you need an actual skill for this category. Uh, I think he pa- meant patiencing. Patiencing, yeah. Patiencing. It's, it's still a virtue. It's it's not you know pa- pa- patience patience Ising. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna mute this part of PJ's audio, and <laughs> just move along with the next. This is good. I like this. I have a question. Um, is there a point when you've made the guitar and it and it can play music, but it's not done yet? Like, is there a gap between that point and the actual end of guitar making? Oh my God, yes. That's and that's like my 
favorite place is the first time you get strings where, on it. Where is it? Well, so you, is that like 50%, 70% done? Well, you know, that that's a good question. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like building a house, right? Like you go by and it's like, oh my God, that house is like done already, but they still have all the inside to do. You know how they, they frame it out and it's like, right. And, and yeah, there's, there's no toilet. Right. You know, but, but like from the street, the windows are in, the shutters are in, like, oh my God, but there's still all the sheetrock needs to go in, all the electrical and all that. And so it's kind of like right. that. It's like, you can get the thing to look like a guitar pretty quickly. Um, but then there's like the making it just right, you know, and, um, but so like my favorite yeah. part of the process is like, especially if it's a new design is like to, you know, you, you got the, the shapes cut, you've got, you know, the holes all cut, you got the frets in, but they're not leveled and crowned and perfect yet and stuff. Uh, and you got the hardware. And so you, the, that first time you put strings on it and, and strum a chord and it's like, it's, it's all, mm-hmm. it's all wonky as heck, you know? Uh, but that's like, that's yeah. like my, it's my favorite part. It's hard to get through that. Yeah, it's hard to get through that part. For me, that's the proof of concept phase. When you've made the thing, do the yeah. thing, but like it's still duct taped together. Right. Now you have to, you know? now you got to spit shine it. Now you got to make it, you know, make it worth the. Yeah, I never, I never actually make it past that part. I'm, I'm glad you do. And I, and I'm glad well, you're that's, working on that. that I mean, maybe, maybe I, maybe I need to find a different word than, than patientizing. Uh, is this, but, but that's the, <laughs> to, to use a lutz word, you know, um, but that's the, that's the, the skill to, to me is to, to, you know, get to that point. Cause you know, when you're making a, a guitar out of a snow ski that when you get to that point, it's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like right, you, right. now it's like, that's you know, nice. now it's like, okay, well now I need to make it pretty and beautiful and, and, you know, dot all the I's and cross right, all right. the T's and, and, and there's a, there's a, it's like finding that line because I don't want to put like 30 coats of finish on this thing because then I got to charge too much. It's going to take too long. You know what I mean? It's like finding that line of like, well, what, right. how finished is finished enough to make it beautiful and, and sexy and make it something everybody wants to use and touch and play and cherish, but also not be like a waste of my time and a waste of their money, you know? And that's that finding that point. So I don't know what you want to call that for the scope, but finding that point, that balancing point. And know? is there, I mean, I assume that there's a guitar you can make that, that looks like a guitar and is just impossible to set up and actually ever make sound good. I mean, if you're a, an amateur and you're just making a guitar, can you make a guitar that looks really good? And and the novice looking at it would think it was fine, but it's just impossible oh, absolutely. To, you know, to actually set up. And you can go to, I mean, when you, when you, when you're shopping online and you know, now all of our phones are listening to us. And so all of you are going to have guitars coming up in your, you know, ads on your Google searches and stuff. And you'll see all these guitars, like, you know, $99, 190. Like, yeah, those are them. Like the, <laughs> there's, there's a whole industry built around those things, you know? Um, it, yeah. It's crazy though. Cause nowadays actually a lot of those can be, can be playable too. Uh, it's amazing, you know, what they can churn out, but um, yeah, yeah. It's, there's a, there's a, and there's always a little bit of magic involved too. There's always, like every good, Two, you take two guitars from the same tree, like literally the same tree, and like one of them is going to be different than the other. It's just crazy. This because there's so many little things, so many little steps, and so many little intricacies, you know. All right. And that right. tone wood. Well, and tone wood. Basically tone wood, <laughs> right. yeah. Well, you know, you can get some Johnson's tone wood putty, you'd be fine. Yeah. Tom? Yeah. Smooth it all out. Tom, yep. what skill goes well with guitar making? Soldering. Yeah. That's a boring answer, but it's true. Okay. Yeah. Soldering. That's an actual skill for sure. It is. I've got an instrument I'm working on right now that I, I wired it all up, did all my tests. It worked great. Closed it all up, put strings on and plugged it in. One of the pickups didn't work. Yeah. Didn't solder solder right. or, yeah, yeah. sun's loose. Got to go take it apart, you know? Yeah, that happens. That yeah. happens. Dropped a pickup. Tanda, what skill goes well with guitar making? I'm going to say design. I, I'm, I'm quite yeah. honestly, I'm shocked that Tom didn't say that. But uh, But yeah, 
And, and, and I'm and I'm saying and I'm saying it just because yeah. She had to send me a text. Told me she was going to say this. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Or, or cigar smoking. I mean, in my history of like making guitars, it wouldn't have been possible without someone having smoked a box full of cigars some some point. That that sounds like a Lutz comment, but okay. Uh, well, I hope you didn't take design because you thought I was going to take it because that's actually not my answer. Uh, the skill that I think. Oh no! You always have you always have an authentic answer and real research. Yes, yes, that is the answer. <laughs> Correct. So uh, I'm of course thinking of the the higher end. I'm gonna get paid this the week. Higher end uh, instruments, <laughs> and uh, the skill that I think pairs well with guitar making is inlaying, mm. doing inlay work on guitars, which to me. Those are the details that really make something pop. The little tiny things that set it apart from just kind of a baseline model uh, for me, because I'm a details guy. And that's all I got. Uh, I, I could add to that with a CAD CAM as being like the, the modern sort of part of that, like because a lot of that is done True. CNC now. Yeah, you're doing your next, you're doing your I, next. I'm doing almost everything on the CNC. You know, I mean, no well, kidding. I cut the frets, I do all my inlays on the CNC. So you're not a woodworker? No. No, I'm a computer programmer. CNC here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was very misled by this episode. Yeah. Sorry. No, not a yeah. woodworker. Yeah, no, I use I use a laser too. I'm uh I'm basically I'm not even human, oh. really. Yeah. You're not But, but yeah. the the laser luthier has a good good ring to it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. That's pretty that's nice. That's, nice. that's, that's an yeah. arch villain name if I ever heard one. Who are you who are you fighting this week? <laughs> the laser luthier. Oh man. You got to watch your eyes with that guy, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and now it's time for Give Me Your Best Guest. Yeah. All right, Tim. So since you're our guest, we want to know all the skills. We know that guitar making is your number one skill. What is the number two skill in your toolbox? Uh, you might call it a virtue, but I was going to say uh, uh, open-mindedness, keeping an open mind about uh what I'm doing and, uh, and not getting set in my ways. Uh, I think I'm pretty good about that. Uh, and I take, I take mm-hmm. pride in that and to, to knowing what, to admitting when I'm wrong and like, and I can move on and, and like learning new things and not to be like, well, you know, CNC is not woodworking, not being that guy, you know? I can't in all good faith acknowledge that as a skill, but I'm going to pretend I'm Tom and say that's open mindicizing. Perfect. So I like it. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. I, I didn't say that though. PJ, it's a skill if you you just become a little open-minded. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not really how it works, but let's go, but, man. But, let's go. But anyway, yeah. okay. Okay. It. So what is skill number three, Tim? You know what I'm awesome at is being humble. I'm like the best at it. I'm the best at being humble. <laughs> you are the Thank best. Thank you. I know. <laughs> Tim, are there going to be any actual skills in this list of skills that we're, we're talking about? Nope. It's a whole list of virtues. I, I'm awesome at making lists of virtues. I'm the, so good at that. Uh, all right. There's going to be a quick segment. Um, okay. Uh, a- accuracy. Is that a skill? Or is that? Yeah. Uh, yes. Accuracy is yeah. a skill. Yeah. You, precision. Yeah. Precision. 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 That's the machinists. Yeah. Right. That's something I'm working on. Like that's some, you know, that's not, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, Totally. But I'm, I'm getting better at it and I'll continue to work on it, you know. Yeah, um, there is there is there is literally an entire museum of precision. So, yes, it is. That is definitely a skill. So that was number four. So that's the so definition. They, of, put, they the, put skills in museums. The definition of skill is it has to have a museum built around it. Yes. So uh, uh, Model sure. T cars. <laughs> 
That's well, still. not all museums Holy are shit. skills. There are museums <laughs> oh, that I miss, have I miss, skills. I misunderstood. You know, you know the museum of, of, of the museum of glasswork. Well, wait, no, that is a skill, isn't it? There, Coring's museum is pedantry. Is pedantry a skill? <laughs> is that a virtue? <laughs> Did you say peasantry? I don't think no. that's a skill. <laughs> pedantry is in being pedantic. <laughs> Tom, can can you answer that? I'm, oh yeah, I'm yeah. PJ PJ uses that one every week. <laughs> I don't know what that word means. Yeah. Pedantry. Yeah, it's a skill. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, I saw yeah, that the, at the, the uh, Pedantry Museum. I kind of mentioned in the last segment, but like CAD CAM, like that kind of stuff. Like that's something I'm really into and I'm learning. And and it's, you know, because like, you know, a big a big thing is like we're talking about, you know, I like making guitars and there's a there's a reason guitars are expensive because of the, the time and, and trying to find ways to make them affordable and finding that line of when, it, you know, and what I've learned is that the, the more I can get the machine to do, then the less I have to do then the better price point I can sell it at. And so, you know, as I, like first it was just like cutting out the shapes of guitars was amazing. And now it's getting down to the, you know, the, the details and the inlays to, to bring the value up, but to not have it be like a million dollar item, you know, and then also just the learning how to, if I can do less sanding, like if I can get tool pads that run more efficiently, um, you know, to speed things up and to, to get better finishes, like all that stuff I'm like kind of getting into right now. As uh, I feel like I've, you know, I, I've brought the, the design level up and I've brought, you know, like the fretwork, Level up is like, well, how can, now what's the next step, you know? And so that's that. You got to put your strings up. What's that? If you put the fret level up, I think you, then you have to raise the right, strings Right, you have up. to raise the string. Yeah. Yeah. yeah math. <laughs> Tanda is our resident math expert. So that's- You're uh, hired. You, yeah. <laughs> if you need someone that can add numbers, it's definitely that's what not I'm doing. Tom. No, that's, that's definitely a skill and something that's an unfortunate holdup with a lot of things, because people see the CNC tools, whether it's a laser or a, you know a, a CNC router or a 3D printer, but there's a there's a computer program they have to learn between them and that mm-hmm. skill, and it and it can hold people up, uh, you know, and they they love the output and they really want to use the tool, but they get really held up with the skill set, especially if they mm-hmm. haven't done a lot of computer stuff in the past, and I, I see that at the makerspace where people are like seeing all the things that they could make with the CNC router and they take the class and then, and then after the class, they find out, you know, they kind of learn during the class that there's this, this program they have to sit in front of first and they Mm. get really, you know, and it's not intuitive. It's like, it's not like if, Oh, I'm good at Photoshop. So I'm, you know, it's a little bit different. Like the language I, I had, um, I'm, I'm very lucky because, uh, I have, uh, like I, I do work with Vectric, the software company, um, mm-hmm. and so I, I have people I can call, you know, and then I also do work with Avid CNC, they're a sponsor of mine. And, uh, I remember like having some issues with the, I got a new software that they wanted me to use and I was, I was having trouble with it. I wasn't doing something right. And, and I, I was able to call up, you know, the sales rep Corey over there. He's awesome. And, and I'm telling him what I'm doing. And so he's like, okay, listen, he's, he's so good. He's so good. He's like, okay, you see this tab, click that. And you see that, click that. And this is how you can do to control that. And I got mad at him. I was like, well, why did you tell me that like six months ago? And he's like, cause I can't teach you it all at once. You weren't ready. You know, it's cause there's just so mm-hmm. much, so you can't learn it all at once. And, um, and that's the, like, you know, you, you get the CNC and I was like, I was like, Oh, I can't do anything. And then I get over that hump. I'm like, Oh, check me out. I'm awesome. And then I'm like, Oh, that's right. I'm an infant. I'm an infant in this world. Yeah. And I still am. So that's uh that's, that's kind of ironic for, for me personally, Tim, because that's, that's what I do. I call Tom and Tanda whenever I have questions about fusion 360 I just ask them. I mean, I look stuff up online too, but a lot of times the online stuff can be confusing if it's something yeah. a little intricate. 
<laughs> so, so basically what I'm saying is that you and me are the same. Like my name should probably be Tim. That, yeah. That's yeah. basically it. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying is like, just lose my phone number. If you have any questions, you know, just call, sure. just call Tom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> ghosting. Ghosting is a skill. I know we're not talking about me, but ghosting is a skill that I've been working on also. Yeah. Tom ghosts me all the time. I call him and he just doesn't pick up the phone and then he doesn't call me back either. And then like I'll I'll call I'll talk to him like it's time to record the podcast. Doesn't even acknowledge. Didn't pick up the phone three days ago. It's that's he's very good at it. So, um, but that's that's, that's why I called Tanda. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's, that's a skilled, four. I was wondering why you called me last night. Yeah, about the yeah, was, about the Fusion three hundred and sixty thing. Oh, actually, the whole conversation started out with Tom's Tom's ghosting me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, but yeah, I, 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 by the way, Tanda, I finished that that project, which Tom doesn't know about. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not actually releasing it because I need to get different filaments to print it. So it's, it's, ah, it's, it's gotcha. color oriented, and I don't have. I'm waiting for somebody to put something on sale. It's November. It's, I know Tim's least favorite holiday is Black Friday's coming up. I'm trying to get some printer filaments on sale. You know, but, well, um, all all the orange pumpkin filaments bound to be on sale now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have anything to print in orange. Pumpkin spice latte yeah. filament. All right, I I, th- I think that was all the skills. I, 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 I think uh, I think we that's got all the skills. All in the, I, basically, yeah, I have all the skills in the world. That's that's all we needed to say. Yes, that's 100%. that's why we that's why we stopped at five. Yeah, but we actually can't can't stand behind that. But we're gonna go with it. Was that our best guess? I don't know, but it was a guest. All right. It is time for short and sweet. Uh, Tim, do you have anything you want to wrap up the show with? Yeah, I just wanted to point this out real quickly. Um, like I said, I, I never heard of your podcast before until I, I would, you know, Tom blackmailed me into doing this. And so then I went and I listened to a couple episodes of it. And I had the misfortune of clicking on the one with Paul Jackman. Oh, and, we're um, so sorry. Mm. So sorry. And... Very, you know, so we there's should, this, we should probably take that one down because because you know, well, people could stumble into that. And I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to bring you know counsel my my counselor into this or anything yet. Hopefully, it won't come to that. Um, but I just want to you know, there's always like, and we've been doing it tonight. Like, there's this kind of fun thing in the in the maker community where we do this sort of banter and make, you know make fun and poke fun and pretend you're not friends and you know. And I just want to point out that that um, no, I really I really dislike that man, Paul Jackman. Um, <laughs> It's, I'm not joking. Listen, stop laughing. I'm serious. I'm tired of his. <laughs> I don't care if you have to bleep that. Uh, I, I'm sick of hearing everything that he says, like all his, his nonsense about me being his dad and all this. <laughs> the guy basically is just like an imposter of me. Like he's just basically like, he, he, he rode on my coattails to this point now. And I'm, I'm just tired of his nonsense. And I just wish he'd go away. And I just had to get it off my chest. This seemed like the right place to do it because I don't think he'll ever listen. Wait, Tim, is this the only reason you actually decided to do this podcast with us? Was to refute Jackman? Well, and you have that picture of me. I mean, I mean, no, that picture. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I didn't tell him. I didn't say it. I'm going to have to bleep that out. I, I, we, can't, we can't say that on the Thank show. Please. Yeah, we'll we cut that out. That. Please. Yeah. You, know, you know, Paul Jackman. Let, let me tell you about Paul Jackman. Paul Jackman, he didn't even know what a pallet was until, until he actually stalked me. He came out to a maker fair in Connecticut that I was at and he, him and his, him and his wife were like, like lurking and like stop. It was like crazy. And then they, sure, okay. So they bought me a drink. That was nice. Or I might've bought them a drink too. That was also nice. But, um, 
and we may have spent hours talking and so humble. And, you know, I mean, okay, so there was I may have adopted him legally in the state of Massachusetts, but I'm not his dad. That's not that's just not true. Uh, Tim, I hate to I hate to say it, but I mean, unless you had a sex change and you adopted him as a mother, then technically you are his dad. You know, PJ, you and labels, you and all your labels, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, 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 the, the only thing I could say is that um, the opinions voiced by Tim Sway are not reflected by the opinions of Maker Skills, but we absolutely 100% agree with them. <laughs> oh, and, and we have to leave that in, I think, because otherwise we end up having to fall back on the agreement where we pay royalties. Uh, I mean, I, no comment. No comment. Uh, Tom, Tom, do you have anything for short and sweet? I did. I've completely forgot it by now. <laughs> Par for the course. Par for the course. Okay. Tanda, do you have anything for short and sweet? Yeah, I just wanted to, to throw out there that uh, I've been watching I've been, I've been watching Paul's videos, and he's got an amazing place there where he's at now. And so he just he just wanted me to, to throw it out there that he's opening a bed and bandsaw. Oh. If you if you follow Paul Jackman, you know he's he's doing a lot of really great stuff out there. And uh, but 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 really, you should you should go watch Tim. I mean, if you want to see the original stuff being done with uh, with reclaiming and pallet wood, then you know you should find Tim's channel. He makes a lot of really cool stuff. I really like your last video where you brought in uh, Nate, I believe, and uh, mm. that was a really good interaction because it was it was the making. But then it was another person out there appreciating live appreciation of what you had done, and him just going like, "This sound, this is so great. I mean, the sound of this is just amazing." You know, you know, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I I split it up because I do that often where I have, you know, I, I demo the instrument, I split up into two videos so I can really give that kid some time and and stuff. Um, but you know who else has been in some of my videos? Been in my shop is Paul Jackman, and those videos are horrible. Don't watch those. <laughs> Oh yeah, Thank yeah. I've heard. I've heard anything yeah. he does. It's just yeah. He was in my shop. He built a guitar there. Time. Go read the just, comments. Yeah. I I feel like that's some kind of a setup because now we're gonna have to look through all the videos to find the ones that Paul Jackman is in. So that's I I don't know. I feel. I oh feel, no, you'll know, you know because he's got that giant head of his just sticking his way into every. Th- it's just ridiculous. It's crazy. Oh oh, it's right in the thumbnail. Okay, that that makes it a little easier. Or the title. Um. Yeah. Probably because that's the kind of guy he is. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just. Yeah, that's. But I mean, know. there. this is a family friendly show. And I mean, children do listen to to this podcast or so we've been told. I've never actually seen them. Tom's talked about them. But anyway, um, as for me, I went to a I went to an exposition center um, a couple days ago. It was a rock and gem show. Unbeknownst to me, there were other shows going on at this exposition center. It was is that a, it opposed was, to a kind of dull gym show, a rock and gym show, like rock and rock and roll and gems. Gem is in gemstones, like for jewelry. Rock, rock yeah, is rock is in rock and roll. No, rock as in like quartz crystal. R O C K. Yeah. Well, they're both spelled the same. They're both spelled the same in the time. USA. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you're at John Cougar Mellencamp concert. The, okay, I got you. Yeah, totally lost my train of thought here. There was there was two other things at this. You were at place. the rockin' the rockin' gym show. It was at the Greater Philadelphia Exposition Center. Expedition, not expedition. You guys are messing me up here. The Expo Center for the Greater Philadelphia area. They had two other things happening, and one of them was a guitar show. And I'm like, oh, oh I know the show. 
Yeah. I'm like, I. So it was a rock and gem show. What is happening? <laughs> I, I went, I was looking everywhere for the Jambulance and it wasn't there. And I'm just like, Tim uh, should be here. I accidentally found a place where he would be and he's not here. I felt like, I don't know, I'm getting gypped somehow. That show's really um, expensive. That's why I wasn't there. <laughs> well, um, the, the the gem show was much better. Uh, all the prices have gone up since, you know, I was last at a gem show 20 years ago when I was a jeweler. What? What? Wait, I, wait, I wait, know. wait. The prices changed in 20 years? I don't believe Yeah. That. I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> they should have been exactly the same. But luckily, one of the things I was looking for, I found a lady that had stuff that she was pricing from 30 years ago. So that was actually like right on my scale i'm like yeah this is this is what i was looking not for bad, not bad. you know what yeah. keeps going down in price down in value hmm. paul jackman down in value I, how do you value that though i mean just, well, I, I tell you what it's plummeting my okay anyways I mean, i'm sorry I, I i don't is is that do you watch it can't be on the stock market do you watch like the wood market the pallet market i don't even know how that value would be would be measured but but we're not going to talk about that anymore because we have something more important to discuss which is the fact that we have a new patreon member supporting this show my my blackmail worked uh everybody say hello to dave biwilek and the bell oh yeah the double bonus was he given a million dollars an episode he's at the beginner skill level so well when you get All the right. bill for that Thank trumpet you. call you're Thank gonna hope it's a million <laughs> i'm gonna have to bleep that out there's I'm, i can't i can't even do that but, but anyway um Thank you, Dave. Uh, we appreciate you supporting the show. You know, we have the secret segment. Dave was the only one that joined up. So obviously we've got to hype it up even more. Right now, our top Patreon supporter is our creator Nader and our very own Tanda. And along with a handful of other people, they're the only ones that are hearing the secret segment. Last week was the first week. We, we actually hid it from everybody after a year of having the show. And if you guys aren't jonesing for it now, you should be, because this one is going to have Tim in it. And he's probably going to talk more smack about Paul Jackman in it. And if you didn't get enough Paul Jackman smack, you better join up the Patreon. That's all I'm saying. I would love the opportunity to tell you a few more things about Paul Jackman. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to have to save that for the for the second part here. Yeah. Once we get to the, to the secret segment. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.